1: If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn, on the Heritage Radio Network, every Tuesday from roughly 12 to roughly 1245 Joined, as usual, with Nastasha the Hammer, Lopez, and who do we have in the studio today? We got Jack and Joe in the booth right now. How are you guys doing?
1: We're doing great.
2: Yeah? How you doing, Stas? Good. Great. Calling your questions to 718 2128 That's 718 2128 And I'm back on food, people. Yeah! The lemonade diet is over, and God, that sucks. Man, it's just the worst. It's, it's like, freaking terrible. Like, so my wife... I complained about it last week, so I'm only going to complain a little bit about it this week, right? But my wife was like, you know... Uh, She was surprised, you know, because here's the thing, like, Nastasha, you you don't, probably don't know me, right, but uh, one of the Mm -hmm. things Nastasha hates about me is that uh, she says I'm kind of like an animal, I'm kind of a machine, because (laughs) I really just don't, I don't care kind of like... I don't know. Things don't phase me, like pain, punishment, things like that, right? Yeah, hunger. Yeah, hunger. So getting through it wasn't like, uh, like uh, b- difficult from a willpower standpoint. It just sucked. And what sucked about it was is there was no point in it at all. You didn't learn anything about it? You I- don't look
1: different either. No,
2: no, 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 no. People are like, did you lose weight? I don't know. I didn't weigh myself beforehand. <laughs> Why? Because this, like, it has no, no meaning. And, and all I realize is that you can, in fact, walk around with a sugar high. For seven consecutive days without falling over. I think we should just do a new uh, diet, Stas. Uh, Stas will do this one. How about mm-hmm. Stas? You want to go on the Sour Patch Kids diet? Or- <laughs> no. All you eat is uh, just just Sour Patch Kids and wine. <laughs> Not at the same no, time. No, no, like no. Like breakfast is Sour Patch Kids, lunch is oh. champagne, dinner is Sour Patch Kids? No. You think you could do it for two days?
0: Yeah, probably two days. Yeah, you want no, to do I
2: don't
1: it? want to do that. <laughs> Maybe in the winter.
2: Yeah, because, like, minus the wine, like, that's... People are like, can you give up wine for seven...
1: Yeah, of course.
2: You know, you, like, your body is just this, like, physical thing that's there. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. who cares whether you're, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, whatever. It was an irritant, and I'm glad it's over. So I'm, you learned it,
1: nothing about yourself through that?
2: Uh, no. 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 I learned that... I mean, I, I, I really don't like the idea of... Detoxing, I think it really doesn't make sense. I mean, it is true you get rid of caffeine, as I said last week. You know, and yeah, you know, your body is mildly dependent on caffeine if you consume it the quantities. And by the way, uh, first thing I did when I woke up on my—by the way, I broke my lemonade fast with uh, falafel. I made falafel. Because a couple of people had asked about it on the show, and I hadn't made it in a long time. So I made uh, falafel kind of a combination between Joe Nathan's recipe, you know, the famous uh, writer on, on um, Jewish and Jewish-American cooking, cooking in general, I guess. And uh, this lady called uh, the Shiksa, Shiksa Kitchen, anyway, uh, who's a, a convert to Judaism, actually. And, you know, no, one, no one's a better zealot than a convert to anything. So <laughs> yeah. looked at her recipe and uh, looked at uh, Joe Nathan's recipe made some good falafels fried them all up in the fryer did you talk
1: on the show last week about how people should just get sick and throw up Uh, did we talk about that I don't think so
2: well uh, so the theory is this Uh, like so here's my feeling right if what you really want to do is purge your body of everything right uh like the best for me was the time I had that horrible gastrointestinal disease, <laughs> right? And I, I lost a ton of weight there because your body is like working overtime to try and fight this horrible disease that you have and you're flushing your system of everything and you can't take anything in but your body doesn't go into horror shutdown mode because your brain is telling you not to eat or drink anything because it just shoots right out of you. So your metabolism stays fast and you're not taking any calories. That's the genius thing. You know that's, that's what we need to do. That relates to my other business idea. Now, someone out there, please steal this. Here's the idea. Ready for this? We're going to get samples of contaminated water from around the world, right? And we're going to ship them to people who, who live in places that don't have any sort of parasites in their water. And then you're going to drink that water like maybe like two, three weeks. By the way, I'm not serious. This is satire. Like two or three weeks before uh, you go on a vacation, right? To that country. To that country, Right, and then you have all of your horrible gastrointestinal problems at home, in the comfort of your own home. You know, on the comfort of your own toilet. Right? You yeah. know, I, I I know some people that you know Stas, that could have used the comfort of their own toilet when they had some horrible GI problems on a trip last year. And they uh, uh, think about it. And then no, um, <laughs> I mean, like, look, nothing's worse than going to an unfamiliar country where you don't speak the language and needing a toilet within ten seconds right yeah i mean that's rough even here in the states mm-hmm. or wherever you live wherever you live doesn't matter where you live like you know your own toilet you know what i mean anyway my point is is uh is that this would be a, a decent business but, you know but all kidding aside people used to take tapeworm pills really yeah what years a long, a long time ago really dumb really really stupid 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 stuff but and then another thing another million dollar business for you ready for this
1: one there's this part you didn't give the name of that business
2: well, so like it was actually I was speaking to someone who was from uh, India when, when I when when I came up with the idea because they were saying you don't want to go to Delhi and get this. You, here's what you get when you drink the water there. They call it. Uh, and this is from a native, so please don't don't write into me. But uh, Deli Belly, which is a sweet name. So that was going to be the name of the business, Deli Belly. It sounds so friendly, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, sounds funny. awesome. Anyways, so I was speaking to a doctor over the weekend and we have another million dollar idea. Check this out. How much do you think like you know, some sort of rich Manhattan folk person would pay for this? Uh, here's what we do. We give you – you come into the clinic. It's a one-day super detox, Right. You come into the clinic, you drink this thing called a Faso Soda. Faso Soda is like heavily phosphate salt laden uh, soda. You have to chug it and literally it rolls through you like a freaking steam train and sprays out the other end, lickety split, cleans you out, one shot. So you do that. We also flush you from the other side just for good measure. Then get, here's the good part, Stas. total dialysis. (laughs) Right on the spot. Bam.
1: Bam. Oh my god! Rich, detox. People, rich people would love that. Oh my god! Like they ten, would pay whatever. Like, yeah,
2: whatever. Ten ten thousand dollars, whatever. Show up, detox in a day. You know, we'll do your nails at the same time. <laughs> you know what I mean? A Little manicure. We
1: can get that Chinese lady we used to do their hair. Too. Oh, dude, you're giving away the secret. I oh, didn't say where.
2: You know, only the smart people know that that they should go to the like any place that has a Chinatown. If you go to the Chinese hair salons, this is, a new, this is in the states. I don't know what it's like around the world because I don't, I don't get my hair cut around the world. But the best head massage in the world for almost nothing. Yeah. Right, right Stas? Yeah. Eight dollars. Yeah. Don't don't give away don't give away all our secrets. Well, we only give away the cooking secrets. All right. Now, two actual cooking questions. First of all, before we get to cooking questions, I would like to say we have this in from uh, Aaron Will. Very, uh, and uh, we love this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna, just going to read his, his note. Right. To uh, Nastasha et Ali, which I like. I like. I know some people named Ali. Anyway, I want to say congratulations to everyone. Oh, this is, by the way, about the Kickstarter, the uh, Puffing Gun. Oh, we should talk about the Puffing Gun later if we have time about what we puffed.
1: Yeah, that was awesome, by the way. Oh, oh
2: my God. You, like, th- First of all, like those things exploding, how how, like loud and impressive is that explosion stuff?
1: You know what? Give me a minute. And I'll, I have a video on my phone. I'll patch it through to the board. Maybe it'll oh, com- cool. come through on radio.
2: All right, sweet. All right, cool. Um, okay. Uh, so this is about the uh, puffing on thing. I would like to say congratulations to everyone who is involved in the project on reaching the goal. Thank you very kindly for the invitation to the MoFad Puff Party. You see, because Aaron Will is a a backer of our Kickstarter. Uh, it makes me incredibly proud to be a part of something I so strongly believe in. I truly believe in the long-term applications and massive positive ramifications that such an entity can and most likely will create. In all honesty, I am, po- I am a poor yet passionate cook out here in Oregon, but um, only because the momentary circumstances allowed for the expenditure, I was able to donate my entire paycheck this last month to the MoFad Kickstarter. You hear that, people? Entire paycheck. As such, along with scheduling and staffing issues, I have no feasible way to monetarily fund a trip to join the festivities to follow this month on the 13th. Because we're having a big puffing party on the 13th of August. I would, however, hate to see my invitation ticket and spot on the Fire Marshal's max person limit list to the event to go to waste. If there is any possible way to auction off or resell my ticket to again benefit the MoFAD so that someone else could enjoy the experience, I would greatly appreciate it. Again, I truly regret I cannot join the amazing group of like-minded persons that is sure to converge for the event. I hope to hear from you soon and that you all have an amazing time at the event. Aaron Will from Scratch Restaurant in Lake Oswego, Oregon. By the way, everyone go out and patronize the uh, Scratch Restaurant out there in Lake Oswego, Oregon. And also he says, P.S., uh, if Dave and everyone wants to come out to the repository, still the invitation stands. I, I'd love to go, but it's right around now. I got, we have so much stuff going on this fall. It's like the worst fall ever in terms of stuff. Um, but I, I, yeah, maybe if I finish my book while the pears are still on the on the vine, I can go. Stas has this look on her face, like I want to stab you right out. That's a look. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Aaron, listen. Thanks. This is uh, it was um, we're we're very touched over here.
1: Yes. Well, we should have someone get his ticket.
2: Yeah, we'll th- and, we'll, and we'll think of something nice to do for you. Yeah. As as opposed to the ticket. Okay.
1: Well, uh, we got a caller. Oh. But maybe before we take the call caller, we'll play this little clip of the puffing gun. We'll see how it sounds. (laughs) I guess it's better
3: when you're looking at the video. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Caller's on the line. All right, caller, you're on the air. Hey, man, how you doing? Uh, This is uh, Christian from Detroit. How are you, doing? Hey, doing all right. So, got a question for you. I know you like to cook uh, some weird things and whatnot. Um, was trying to uh, make some mayonnaise this weekend with turkey eggs, and made mayonnaise a uh, hundred times and never had a problem. And I was curious if different game eggs start to uh, make creating mayonnaise difficult or or different.
2: Huh? That's interesting. So, so you say you have done turkey eggs without a problem?
3: No, I've never done turkey eggs uh, before. I've done you know regular eggs right. and made mayonnaise a, a hundred times, but I'm wondering if like wild game eggs or something like that has a like different protein comp- uh, makeup or something like that. Well, they that would.
2: Yeah, I mean that that's a cool question. They I've never had a turkey egg. Do you actually have a stock of turkey eggs there?
3: I have a stock of turkeys, which then produce the turkey eggs. So it's a uh, it's a good relationship.
2: How do they taste, as opposed to a chicken egg or a duck egg or something?
3: They're super custardy. So you know how a duck egg gets a little rich. This is like kind of custardy with, and it's a little bit thicker, as you kind of would expect from like a bigger bird. It's uh, but it's super delicious, especially on top of like pasta and whatnot.
2: Huh? And so and do they? If you put them in a circulator, do they cook at roughly the same uh, temperatures?
3: I haven't put them in a circulator, so I, I couldn't tell you that one.
2: I would love to know that. So, Well, the short answer is I don't know But uh, <laughs> with, with, with regard to mayonnaise, but I do know that the different birds do have different protein fractions in their eggs and that they respond differently to certain treatments, for instance – uh, you know, One of the things that I have experimented with uh, different um, egg varieties uh, is treating them with uh, lye. Harold McGee and I used to do uh, an alkaline egg where you soak it in lye and salt solution and then you cook it. And then even after you cook it, the egg uh, remains translucent right and so and then huh. and then McGee and nils and I used to used to substitute that out uh, you know loot fisk is the lye is the lye, uh cured fish, so what we would do is use the egg as a loot fisk thing and then just serve an actual smoked trout next to it along with some salt. it was good um, but the, um, but the point is is that the uh, duck eggs, chicken eggs, and quail eggs all responded differently to the treatment because the protein uh, makeup is slightly different so. Duck eggs responded really well to that treatment uh, you know, uh, and uh, so did quail. But uh, chicken eggs were much more difficult to get to work with that because the proteins tended to fall apart more when they were treated with the lye. So they didn't gel up as nicely. So I I know from that experience um, that, uh, that, that, yes, the protein fractions are slightly different now you know mayonnaise is mostly concerned with the emulsification properties of the yolk and i would assume that uh you know be- because the yolk has so much more uh emulsification power in it than is necessary to make any sort of reasonable quantity of mayonnaise that Unless there's some real unforeseen thing in a turkey egg that I can't, you know, fathom, that uh, there's no reason why it wouldn't function um, the same way in something like a mayonnaise. Does that make sense?
3: Yeah. So maybe I just stink. <laughs> well, well so, I mean, like. I have to, uh, yeah, I have to keep playing with it. But it was really weird. I mean, no matter. How much, you know, like the little bit of acid or the little bit of water, I just – I couldn't get it to come together. So I'll have to I mean, you couldn't get it, to, it.
2: You couldn't get it to start the emulsion? No. Yeah, I mean I've never researched the turkey. That's a really interesting question. It, 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 I, I'm trying to think of like what it could be that would not allow it to happen but I, you know, I can't. But, but so, so in other words, like you sit there, you make it with a chicken egg, no problem, and then you make it with a yep. turkey egg and it's big problems.
3: Yeah, it's it's super weird and then – you know it, like i've tried everything like i let it sit in the fridge let everything separate pulled the yolks back out tried to slowly add it back in tried the cold method tried room temp method could not get it to come together so i'll have to keep playing with it and see so
2: weird maybe there's something in it that's that's maybe there's something i've i've no i've no clue but, but maybe someone out there knows
3: you know? Maybe I'll send you some turkey eggs and then we'll have to –
2: Oh, that will be awesome. We'll, we'll play with it. That would be awesome. Also, like uh, I wonder whether – have you tried um, – so one way to find out whether there's something in the turkey egg that's shafting you is to do like one-to-one turkey egg with uh, chicken egg and see whether or not you can make that work. Right? Yeah. I mean maybe, there, maybe there's some sort of crazy inhibitor. But I, again, like I just feel that like something just weird might be – something weird might be going on. You know?
3: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, it, it seemed weird to me. I couldn't imagine that the emulsification would be that weird, but I or that different rather. But yeah, it was it was pretty strange.
2: Huh? Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. So uh, I would encourage you to keep us posted because I want to hear how this works out or get us some turkey eggs and we'll mess around. We'll we will make mayonnaise out
3: of them. Yes, or and you can you can put them in the suit and see see how they do. No, yeah, I Yeah, yeah. I want a sixty-two. I'll send you some.
2: So what you need to do is you need to do like so you do the range. So it's going to set somewhere. I mean, obviously, you know, if you cook with a circulator, you know, ch- a chicken eggs set between sixty. So they're runny of sixty-two and they're set at sixty-four Celsius. Yep. And so, like, you know, I usually just run like that range to see whether like how things are relative to relative to the chicken, which is you know of course the standard standard egg. Right. Standard egg. Yeah. Cool. All right. Awesome. Cool. So uh, well, I look, for, for I look forward to the turkey, and we'll uh, we'll post
3: back. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, man.
2: Thank you. Uh, all right. So okay, what were we talking about beforehand? We were talking about... Puppet gun. Yeah, but no, was something else. Something else we were t- talking about. Eh, I can't remember. Okay. Uh, Ryan writes in uh, at Cooking Issues, how does the pressure pickle technique burst the vacuoles? Makes sense with the chamber, but I'm a little confused with this. Referring to... Uh, the, the pressure uh, – rapid pressure pickling technique I put up on the Cooking Issues blog uh, the other week uh, and I think I described it last week on the air, right? How that works like you – so the, the idea is is that normally when you're infusing a liquid into a solid, you use a vacuum machine. You suck the air out uh, using the vacuum machine. You have it in a liquid. Air comes back in. Air, air smashes the liquid into where the air pockets used to be in the thing and you infuse it. So the problem with doing that in ISI is, is that when you release the pressure – uh, all of the stuff that you infuse in boils back out again and you get almost like a net zero in terms of infusion. It doesn't look infused the way an awesome like you know, vacuum-infused thing looks. So I solve that by putting the um, products in Ziploc bags inside the ISI so that the soluble gas, CO2 or N2O, doesn't get into the uh, product and therefore won't boil out as violently. So the question here is uh, how does that uh, burst the actual um, – Air holes. Well, I don't think. In other words, like I think what what here's what I think is happening uh, in, in in this technique. In a vacuum, when you're using a vacuum machine to inject a liquid into, into an air hole, what you're doing is you're removing almost all of the partial pressure of air on the inside of the air holes, on the, uh, the pores on the inside of your liquid, uh, inside your solid. When, uh, when the air comes back in, you have a maximum uh, external pressure of 60 of, – uh, six, sorry, 15 roughly PSI, pounds per square inch, forcing the liquid into those things. In an ISI, you're talking about 60 or, or more – uh, pounds per square inch at least 60 70 depending on how much you put. It, pounds per square inch pushing on it and that is enough to crush uh, air bubbles down to almost nothing so you force the liquid into it right now you're not forcing anything solid like soluble uh, gases in there you're just making those air bubbles tiny and forcing liquid in when you release it right those bubbles expand and leave your product, let's say cucumber, right? And take with it some of the liquid but they also, as they're leaving, they keep on then leaking out because you've made pathways for the liquid to get to them during the, compre- during the compression phase. The second time you hit it, Right. This is why you pause for five minutes. The second time you hit it with a charger, you re-inject that liquid into those uh, into those uh, gaps, right? And the second time you release it, very little gets sprayed back out, and so you have uh, fundamentally uh, an infused product. That's why you need to hit it twice with that. I Hope that makes sense. Does that making sense? Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Uh, all right. Let me see. Uh, we have a bunch. Of, you want to hit all the circulator crap now? Just all the circulator John. Or yeah, do you, do you, you want to take a talk break?
1: Talk about what you what you what? emailed uh, Barack Obama. Uh,
2: what? Oh, you know, do you guys look? I look, I look. Uh, this is great. What?
1: Dave answers no emails. No, knows yeah. that. Okay? If you send me an email, mm-hmm. I'm not going to answer it. Yeah. You, have I answered an email for you ever, Jack? Uh, we've never had one email interaction, no. Yeah, it's no, no. And I've known once, you for how many years? Like three or four years. Now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. No emails. No,
2: no. I, I hate email as a thing. But, 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 <laughs> but. Uh, the the uh, Obama machine emails emails me like three times a day.
1: The formula, you know, like the, but they change the names to each person, so it will well, say hi does, Dave. Yeah,
2: right. where did this come up? What made you think oh, of this? I was looking for
1: his. Oh, you were looking for
2: the and questions, and you went. Heard. Yeah, so like anyway, so like he's like I only respond to Barack and Michelle Obama's emails. <laughs> And I never get responses. Beyonce, Beyonce. Oh, Beyonce. Well, Beyonce was was on behalf on behalf of Barack Obama. I was like, Beyonce, you never write anymore.
1: So anyway, yesterday or two days ago was Barack's birthday.
2: Right. Yeah. Happy birthday. And so, what did you say? I was. I was like, uh, uh, what did I say? I was like, a happy, a happy birthday, brother. Next time we go out, the beers are on me. (laughs) No response. (laughs) No response. Anyway, I'm, like, like I personally am like uh, I'm uh, not a fan of the fake personal. You know what right. I
1: mean? And he asked for money a couple weeks ago, and you told him I have this moped thing that I have to give. Money.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the fake personal emails are hilarious. It's like I love it when an ATM machine thanks me as though it's not a machine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous.
2: No one made me think of that.
1: All right, hey, let's take a really quick break. <laughs> All right, uh,
2: come back with cooking issues.
1: program was brought to you by TechServe, New York's premier authorized Apple reseller and service provider, serving creative professionals at all levels, from individual customers to Fortune 100 companies. TechServe has built a solid reputation in their expertise in technology, sales, and service. Visit them on the web at TechServe.com or in New York City at 119 West 23rd Street. Learn more about their in-store classes and incredible insider program. Make stuff happen. Tech serve.
2: We back? We're back. We're back. Uh, Bob in Portland writes in regarding the uh, egg uh, the egg cracking uh, thing we had uh, last week. By the way, you know, like someone like walked up to be a pastry chef. That's what. everyone has an egg cracking thing. So uh, Bob writes, Hey, Dave, Nastasha, and friends. What's up, friends? Hey. Uh, here's my nearly foolproof egg-cracking tip. I hold the egg in the palm of one hand and begin wrapping it with the knuckle of the other hand like I'm knocking on the door, gently at first, and gradually increasing until the egg cracks. I then insert my thumbs and spread the shell apart. No egg white on the side of the bowl or the countertop. Bob in Portland. And, uh, you, know, as we had, you know, the pastry chef was saying, you know, you get the, the, the tap very gently on the table at the, at, the, at the widest part of the egg, put your finger in, open it. So, like, let me tell you something. Uh I am a freaking gorilla monster in the kitchen like if i spent more and these people like just to give you an idea like of kind of like my way i am in in the thing like uh i just i like to do everything extremely quickly right Stars, stars are shaking your head like like i can't like i can't like uh, sp- i should spend each time and give every egg the the respect it deserves as i crack it but like you know. I just crack the hell out of those eggs really quickly. You know what I mean? The only time I really pay any attention is when I'm separating eggs out. And even then, I don't pay that much attention. And so for instance, when I'm, cra- when I'm separating eggs out because I'm going to like make like a zabayon or I'm going to make like a meringue or something like this, right? I never crack the damn yolks. You know what I mean? Like when I throw them into the pot, sometimes I crack them, but I don't really care. You know what I mean? I never crack eggs when I, uh, egg yolks when I'm making fried eggs, right? Do you, do you have that problem? Mm-mm. And I'm a I'm a freaking gorilla, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm a, I'm the worst person in the world, and so she was this pastry chef saying that like that's typical for someone who like hangs out with savory people all the time that you know like you know you just crack the crap out of stuff and put it put it through a strainer to make sure that there's no pieces of shells in. She was like, you're a bad person. Who was that? I forget who. But uh, true though, bad. You're a bad person. Bad person. Uh, at least w- with regard to that. Right. Um, yeah. Okay, now we got a whole bunch of stuff. We're having some sort of like, circulator uh, extravagance, all sorts of stuff coming in on circulators, right? Because we had a circulator question last week on the Seattle food geek thing, right? So Be- first, before-, before
1: we do circulators, Dave, yeah. are you coming to the party on Sunday? Sunday? Yeah.
2: I don't know. Am I might come. I don't know. I- actually, I think I'm away this Sunday. Ah. Uh, but should we announce the party? Are there
1: still tickets? There are still tickets. Sunday.
2: Sunday. Sunday. That's right? what I was looking for. Yeah. It's not. Story. It's not monster trucks, though, right? I what do we it was have? Saturday.
1: There will be there will be monster trucks. Holy crap, monster trucks! I'm confirming it right now.
2: Oh my god, are we going
1: to do this thing at Yonkers
2: Raceway? Where are <laughs> we going to do this? That's
1: basically where the party is. Yeah, no, it's in the back garden of Roberta's. It'll be awesome. Whole monster. hog roast, uh, cocktails, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So if you email us now and you confirm that you found out about the party by listening to this show, I'll give you a special discount code. Just uh, ask for me.
2: Yeah, what kind of discount they're going to get?
1: Uh, you know, it's flexible. Flexible discount.
2: Ooh, I like the flex discount. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The term, so info at heritage network dot org and uh, if you're not in New York, get a raffle ticket, win a trip to Seattle. Yeah.
2: By the way, I don't know whether you guys know this, which I'm sure you do. Like th- this radio station here, this is a five oh one C three kind of an operation, and uh, you know, Jack, Joe, Eddie, these guys all need to, you know, Aaron who comes on every once in a while. These guys all need to like eat, they need to purchase food. You know what I mean? Like the we need uh we need to keep this place on the air. So it helps to uh it, it, it helps to uh, go to these events, and guess what? It's a win-win because you're going to have a good time, and we get to
1: keep uh, providing programming. Am I right about this? Yeah, we can get coffee in the morning. It really helps. Yeah, please. These guys need their coffee in the morning. I think I've got Piper on the line.
2: Oh, Piper. Uh, so, Piper, let me – uh Hello, Piper. Hey Dave. So uh, Alvin Schultz, uh, who uh, did uh, some time at Booker and Dax, the bar, uh, hanging out, figuring out the stuff, uh, and also a long time listener here, had a question for you, looking for food recommendations. Uh, you, you went to like uh, Ho Chi Minh, right? Oh no, you... that's
1: what I was telling you. Oh, you didn't.
3: didn't. Where do you Hanoi.
2: go? Hanoi. Oh. Yeah, you only went. So never mind. So you don't have any <laughs> recommendations for Alvin? Huh? Well, t- well, wh- where do you go good in Hanoi? In case he makes it over. Uh, I
3: By the way, street food. Honestly, you know what? You know, where,
2: you know where he is. He's in. He's in Phuket, and I want everyone. Like when I was. When I was. And Stas, is the exact same thing. You know how we pronounced it when we were adolescents, right? Anyway, so wait. So what do you have there? Street food. He didn't go to any restaurants.
1: Uh, no. He said he was mostly in his hotel room. What? Yeah. Because it was too hot to go outside.
2: How hot was what? it? Is this true, Piper, that you spent all of your time in your hotel room and only went out after dark to get street food?
0: No, I spent from noon till like, 2 in the hotel room. It was too hot.
2: Man. Stas is shaking her head and, and making the Piper your busted face, which is another face that none of you will ever get to see. Uh, all right. Well, I, I apologize for making you call in when you have no useful recommendations for uh, Alvin. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's I think that was my
1: favorite call in the history of the show.
2: <laughs> All right. Sorry, Piper. You know what? This is why I love Piper because you can call Piper up and, like, say something like that. Like, you know, I don't know. Do that. And he's he's fine. Piper. Deep inside, he's crying. Oh, Piper. Good man. Piper's a good man. Okay. Alvin also writes in, do you have any info on the history of Pachuga style mezcals? Uh No. But except for the fact that you know, I've always told the same story that uh, that they put basically in the distillation flask so that it kind of uh, it, it reflux uh, distills on a piece of meat. So, so different places would use different kinds of meat. So Pachuga obviously used the chicken breast, but other people threw other kinds of meat into the kind of vapor chamber above where the uh, mezcal was distilling, and that's where that comes from. But as to why you would do that. Only God knows. I don't know this story, but you know I know some people uh, from uh, Del Delmage and some others like you know uh, Ryan Fitzgerald and all these guys. I can next time I speak to them, Alvin, I'll I'll get some uh, some history uh, on that stuff for you. All right. Uh, and Alvin's last question: uh, What does rotovap collection flask? What? What does rotovap collection flask boil late in the run? How to fix? What does that mean, Stas? You me figure out what that means. Oh, oh, why does it? No, no. What? What collects. Alvin, like I gotta say, I don't exist. What?
1: It's like a riddle.
2: It is a riddle. It's a complete riddle. Hey, by the way, uh, one last non cooking related thing. So I have. I, I, I need, I'm, the next drink that I come up with at the bar that we don't have a name for. You ready for this one? So Tristan Willie is, you know, one of the, the bar manager at uh, Booker Index. And his last name is Willie, right? So here's my favorite tongue twister. I'm gonna name the next drink this. Ready? Willie's Real Rear wheel say that
0: willies real rear wheel wow
2: no, you can't say it it's no. impossible so i'm going to have that be the Did name you come of the up drink with that? no no i saw it I saw it. tongue twisters cuz you know i have kids oh. and so we're doing tongue twisters i looked it up willies real rear wheel and so i'm going to write that just as the drink name and it doesn't look imposing yeah. write it it looks completely harmless mm-hmm. can't be, can't be said so like customers are gonna saying. be like really when
0: they're on their third.
2: Willy's. Anyway, so that's my next plan. Okay, uh, back to cooking-related questions. So, uh, circulators. Uh, okay, Matt writes in. Hey, Nastash and crew. I'm working on a new product that will hopefully make sous vide cooking not just cheaper, but also better than current immersion circulator technology. Ooh. Coming on, coming on strong against, the, uh, against uh, our boy P. Preston and our, uh, our boy uh, We Pop Soupy Pot, a.k.a. Poppy Pot from yeah. Nomiku. Okay. Uh, my question for you guys is what would you like to see improved about current immersion circulators? Are there any pain points or missing features you can think of? Also, where can I send a demo unit once I get one as I'd love to get your feedback? Well, uh, the address for Booker and Dax Equipment Corporation, if anyone ever wants to send us free stuff, uh, is 50. 54 Eldridge Street. Storefront, one. yes, one uh, New York, New York, one zero 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 two. Uh, so anyway, uh, so I don't know. Like that's a good question. Like, uh, what's a hassle about about circulators? I mean, there's a lot that's kind of a, a hassle about them, but there's a lot that's great about them as well. I mean, probably the power. It'd be nicer to have more power sometimes. I don't know. I mean, I'm so used to them. So used to what's Cleaning them could be a little easier. Right, Stas? I hate cleaning them out. You hate you. Well, Stas never cleans it out. She doesn't give a rat's ass. The you have new one at one home. Is
1: easy to clean. What? The new one is easier to clean than the old.
2: one. What the plastic one? Yeah. yeah. because it's got less parts, but it's it's more it's harder to clean in some ways because there's just more parts that you can't see whether they're dirty because they're inside the machine mm-hmm. as opposed to the stainless, which got filthy. But uh, anyway, it's a good question. I don't know. I'd like to hear from people out there what they don't like about their circulators and what they think need to be changed. Regarding also circulators. Uh, we had a, a Seattle Food Geek did a circulator build. So uh, Chris Hale wrote in, regarding Seattle Food geek circulator build. By the way, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, very quickly, the circulator is the thing that allows you to keep uh, water and sometimes other liquids at very constant temperatures. Absolutely necessary to do low-temperature cooking, which is – the greatest innovation in cooking in the last 200 years, in my opinion. Seattle Food Geek Circulator Build. I followed that build and shopping list and had good results, but bending acrylic sucks because we were talking about the box enclosure last week for the uh, circulators. Drilling it is frustrating and cutting it is impossible. Then it is hard to clean, not very durable, and looks like crap after a few months. If you don't have a laser CNC machine handy, and nobody does but Seattle Food Geek, don't use acrylic. I busted up my acrylic box last week and installed the whole thing in a black ABS... ABS is a kind of plastic that people use, but you know, remember ABS can't uh, get too too hot. Uh, ABS project uh, project box from Radio Shack. For this project, I recommend at least four inches tall by eight inches deep. I put mine in a six by four by three, and I spent most of the weekend rewiring it because the space was too cramped. Then there was one time I plugged it in and welded my AC supply line to the relay, but I'm sure you're smart enough to keep the metal backing of the relay away from the power connections. By the way, one note on this. I notice a lot of these DIY things use relays. I hate, I hate mechanical relays for this application. Spend the extra three bucks and get, everyone listen to me, spend the extra three bucks and get a solid state relay. I hate that click, click 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 that relays make and i also hate the fact that they have mechanical things in them that can fail because of arcing when things go bad so just get yourself a solid state relay they have an infinite lifetime basically compared to a solid state relay they're never going to go south on you unless you fry them out and uh they don't go click hate the click all right so back 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 to uh, chris's point here um But I'm sure you're smart enough to keep the metal backing of the relay away from the power connections. Anyway, uh, once you drill a hole in ABS, you can use a file or hacksaw blade to make the hole whatever shape and size you need. It won't crack and it's easy to clean. With some properly sized grommets, the holes for the power cord and circulator pump will be vapor tight. It's a good word, vapor tight. That'd be a good band, right? Yeah. Vapor tight. Uh, Which was never possible with the acrylic rig. As for the clamp to hold it on the edge of your pan, acrylic is unsuitable for that too. That's true. That will crack. Uh, Try a piece of sheet metal or half of a sturdy plastic box held to the project box with screws then attach a couple of spring clamps. They're so much faster than some screws, thumb screws, even if they aren't as versatile uh, as far as what kind of container you can use them on. Good luck and happy circulating from Chris Hale. And also uh, Cryptamp writes in for your question last week. I use an aluminum bar bent with hands over a steel railing, not acrylic, uh, for uh, mounting this, the uh, heater on. In fact, he has no housing at all, so he put the uh, electronics for it on the on the outside, just attached by wires over on the other side. of the Thing I will say, Cryotamp or Cryptamp, that uh, your situation not exactly OSHA friendly because it looks like I could get zapped pretty good if I didn't pay attention. But I'm sure it will work. And when I made my own circulators. And didn't care about getting zapped. I did get zapped all the time. What's that look? Piper. Oh, Piper. Is Piper giving us crap for calling him out?
1: He hasn't mailed the torch yet. Uh, Oh. I uh, know.
2: You know. Not the torch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Okay. (laughs) Uh, We have in from uh, Joe Blow. Joe Blow says, people say cooking squid or octopus either needs to be cooked for very long or very quickly. Nothing in between. Why? What's the science behind this? And I gotta say, uh, it's another one of those things that I just, uh, you know, it's just you take it for granted that you, you know, you don't know. And here's the other thing I read a bunch of scientific papers on uh, squid uh, and octopus, and uh, most of the work on that stuff was done uh, in the 80s, um, and, you know, around then in the mid 80s and the people who were doing it had the typical problem of a lot of scientists when they're doing these kinds of papers they just they didn't cook it properly so there's no no one no one did the right experiment from a a science paper standpoint saying like what exactly is going on in the muscles between a short cook uh the medium and the long cook the toughness in between however you can kind of deduce based on uh what's going on that um What's happening? So, the interesting thing is squid and octopus uh, muscle is very different from uh, vertebrate muscles, right? So, first of all, uh, it, it, there's uh, the, the protein compositions are different. So, there's much more uh, myofibrillar protein, in other words, the actual muscle fiber protein, uh, in um, in squid muscle, as opposed to the sarcoplasmic proteins, which are the ones kind of surrounding and in, in the cells that aren't the myofibrillar uh, proteins. So those are the ones that actually cause the contraction. This, this is because squids some strong contraction in that sucker, so they can go right. So they have more of those uh, myofibrillar proteins that are going to cause toughness when they denature. Also, they uh, they have pro- they have uh, fibers running in. Two different directions around, right, so they can squeeze, and then also radially, so they can bend and do all sorts of stuff. So they got this, this kind of two direction muscle fiber action going on. Also, the proteins are a little more soluble than they are, so they tend to swell up and bind together and shrink like a mother much more than uh, like uh, vertebrate proteins do, or even you know, fish. You know, yeah, well, they're vertebrates, duh. So the so here's what happens. My my feeling is that. Um, if you before you totally denature those things and they shrink up, which happens somewhere between fifty and sixty Celsius, uh, before that happens or it happens really quickly, you're going to have a tender product that you can get on the rare low side. Then, as soon as you shrink those suckers, they're going to be hard like like rubbery like rocks until you cook the ever loving snot out of them and break those uh, stuff. They also have a fairly high. Portion of uh, connective tissue in them too. That is, Remember that is giant available.
0: octopus we cooked?
2: That was awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like one of the I said this like a million times, but like uh, you know we got a giant uh, octopus tentacle. Every octopus tentacle, by the way, tastes a little different because some are more dominant than others. And the octopus tentacle tastes different from the from the tip to the uh, to where it attaches to the animal. Uh, the tip is a little more, I think, kind of like a little more gummy, a little more like you know. And I like the stuff kind of in the middle actually. But anyway, so. Uh, that is what I think is uh, going on. Some other interesting things about squid uh, and octopus. there's a, have a high level of uh, pro, uh, um, protein breaking down, proteinase uh, enzymes in them. And so I would think that prolonged heating – I haven't tested this, but I would think that prolonged heating in the 60-degree range before you ramp it up would also make it very tender. But here's another interesting paper for you, uh, at least interesting to me. It's, it's, how gross is this? Are you ready for this, Stas? And I'll tell you why it's interesting. Tenderization of squid, uh, Loligo uh, vulgaris, which is Loligos are uh, they're a, a genus of squid uh, that are mainly kind of uh, they live near the bottom of the ocean, right? Loligos, and uh, Ilex uh, coindetti. You know, the Ilex ones are the are the fast swimming kind of oceanic squids, um, with bromelain, which is a uh, pro, pro, you know protein tenderizer, right? And you ready for this one? Bovine spleen lysosomal enriched extract. How'd you like to sprinkle that all over your squid? Gross. Gross. <laughs> but the but here's here's the really interesting thing that I had never uh, thought of before, and um, something maybe for you guys to think about is usually when you're thinking about what's happening with protein extracts, uh, what you're what you're thinking about is. Um, that things get mushy, right? Because you're breaking down the structure of the proteins. And for something like meat, when you break it down, that's good because it tenderizes. But usually in fish, it makes it mushy. But – Things don't necessarily break down in kind of uh, a very uniform way. So both of those things, the bovine spleen lysosome extract and the, uh, and the bromelain, are protease enzymes. But the bromelain – and you can look at that in this paper. It's very interesting. The bromelain, when you treat it with it, makes the squid mushy, and people don't like it. It's more tender, whereas uh, the, the lysosome, this, the spleen, the bovine spleen extract – uh, tenderizes it in such a way that it just reduces the shear force the same in all of the parameters of the tasting of the squid. So it reduces springiness by the same amount that it reduces hardness all the way around. It just makes it more tender but still keeps the same textural properties of squid. So it looks like there's a whole world out there of uh, protein breaking down, of protein, you know, protonase enzymes out there that we could use to make things more tender without making them mushy, which is something I would never thought of before. Another interesting thing about... Uh, uh, endogenous, meaning inside of the tissue already, uh, squid enzymes is that they are active at alkaline pHs. So soaking in acidity, you'd think would make the stuff harder, and there is some research that says that it does. And another thing is is that treating squid with phosphate salts as a brine beforehand and salt in general, but phosphate salts which I think they don't give a reason for it, but I think it's because it makes it more basic, more alkaline, will help the enzymes more rapidly break down the protein. So phosphate treatments of squid that take it into the slightly uh, uh, alkaline, like 7.4 range instead of like the slightly um, uh, acidic range, maybe help the squid get a little softer. Uh, And wait, time for
1: one one more thing? Yeah. Gun, I thought you were going to talk about. Oh, one more thing before. You can get that thing today now.
2: What thing? Oh day. yeah, stars I'm going to pound some lunch. They're going to have a giant calzone for for lunch. I'm just going to eat this whole calzone just by myself. I read this uh Crazy paper on – you ever notice how people uh, when they write papers on, uh, on frying things, they always uh, want to reduce the oil in things? That's all everyone ever cares about when they write papers on frying. They want to reduce the oil. So check this out. So when you're making um, – industrially, when you're making fried things uh, for freezing, what you do is is you make your product, you throw in a bunch of gums and all this stuff and then you, f- you pre-fry your product. right? And then after you pre-fry it to set the batter, then uh, you freeze it, and then when you re-fry it, you cook the batter all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. Make sense? Okay. So, um, so it's a well-known fact that if you add methylcellulose to batters, you decrease the oil absorption of the batters because methylcellulose and you know hydroxypropyl methylcellulose, they have the interesting pro- uh, property that when they gel when they heat up. Okay. So what's happening is uh, you is in water. Uh, it, it, hot water, it forms a gel and this is why it's used in pie filling so that the pie filling doesn't boil out of crust. It's used in barbecue sauces to increase adhesion when they're on the grill and being heated. It's used to make uh, those noodles that set when you spray them into soups in, in kind of modern cooking and uh, you know dumplings that don't uh, – you know, the, all those kinds of things, methylcytos. So well-known fact that if you put it into batters, it decreases oil absorption. These guys dope the hell out of it. They've patented this, believe this or not, in – two thousand, I didn't know if you could patent stuff like this in 2002. What they do is they make a really loose uh, batter thing and then they boil their freaking chicken nuggets like dumplings with methylcellulose in it and then give you this kind of boiled nugget which you then fry later. Doesn't that gross. sound weird? Yeah. Gross, huh? Really gross. But I kind of want to try it and <clears throat> see what happens. These kind of boiled methylcell battered dumplings and then fried. But I don't really see the advantage because I don't really believe that I want to decrease the amount of oil that's in uh, my fried foods. Do you mean like – you've had my fried foods. They're good. Do you feel that you need to reduce the amount of oil in it? No. No, yeah. see, I see. Like oil is organoleptically delicious, and so like the trick is you don't want your suck stuff to be greasy, but that doesn't mean that you necessarily want to reduce the oil that's on the inside of it. Lunacy, lunacy. All right, so the gun. So uh, it's a puffing gun. You know, uh, as I've said many times, I'll say one more time. Uh, what what it is is uh, is it's a chamber. That you fill with kind of whatever you want and then you, it has – the stuff that you fill it with has uh, a water content somewhere between 12 and 16 percent water. You uh, seal it tight. You heat it with about 200,000 BTUs of uh, gas flame. You spin it so that it doesn't scorch anywhere and it heats up to like 370 degrees Fahrenheit and like 150 to 180 PSI. And then you hit you hit the sucker with a giant stick. The door flies open. The stuff explodes uh, in, in puff because the the water that's inside instantly turns to a steam vapor. Well, so we were testing it because uh, we had a bunch of people suggesting what we should test and things that you would expect to work well, like rice, did work well. Although I couldn't taste it when we were making them last week. I tasted them this, this week and they were kind of soft, right? I think we need to do some post-dehydration. Were they soft when we were puffing them? Yeah. So we just needed to do some post-dehydration before we serve them? They like, had a
1: little bit of crunch to them.
2: Yeah, but if you're going to store them for On any the length of time, day. they yeah, need to yeah. be. Yeah, okay. So we did sushi rice, delicious. I'm told. Actually, I tasted. It It tastes good, but the texture wasn't right when I had it. Red basmati rice puffed very well. Popcorn's amazing because they puff into balls, which is pretty cool. Uh, buckwheat was could be good. Wasn't good when we did it, but could theoretically be good. Right. Bundles. Okay, so then we tried. Uh, so all the stuff that should have worked worked. Now we have not had any luck with uh, with. I'm sorry, folks. To, we have not had any luck with our weird and alternative stuff yet, right? So, first thing we we do, we, we're like, "How about some red lentils? Red lentils? Red lentils? Right?" Because Peter's like, "I love red lentils. I love them." So, like, you know, he doesn't talk like that. Mike well, kind of does, but anyway. So then, like, we load the sucker up with red lentils, and uh, we heat it up. And I'm standing up there, and I hit it, and and we're up at like 160 psi. Instantly, the entire heritage uh, Heritage Foods USA warehouse is filled with lentil dust the entire place is coated with burnt red lentil dust the entire place smells like burnt red lentil dust my like my clothes were covered in, in red lentil dust everything was just red lentil dust and i was like i thought it was just a little bit and i'm like where is it every single lentil had been vaporized is that true Stas? yeah that's crazy so i don't
1: know how you did it that day on your cleanse what with you mean? everyone eating puffing things yeah, yeah, I know. like, it's time to eat lunch, guys. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, everyone's, like,
2: <laughs> stuffing their face. I'm sitting there working, like, not yeah, eating anything, like a, working like a demon. It's,
1: like, degrees up by the gun. Yeah, on top of this, yeah. like, flaming
2: gun. I'm sweating, I'm sweating, not eating anything, <laughs> and then I can't get other people to, like, work because they're shoving sandwiches <laughs> like, in their face.
1: Lunchtime, Dave.
2: I'm like, well, you know, it goes back to what Stas always animal. says. Animal. Animal. I'm an animal. Machine. 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 Mule. Pack mule. Machine. <laughs> Idiot. Anyway, so, uh, then... So we had this problem with uh, – we originally planned on the puffing gun to have glass uh, around it, right? And then uh, on our first Kickstarter test when we exploded our plexi, uh, plexi we're like, maybe we should switch to Lexan. <laughs> you know, Maybe not a good idea to throw shards of glass into, into, into people's eyes during a thing. So then we put Lexan up and we realized that it steams up almost instantly and you can't see through it. So then we're like, OK, so we're going to test the screen, right? So we go to Home Depot. And we put a, like a, literally like a window screen up. And then the, after we put up the window screen, we decided to test chickpeas and soybeans, right? Let me tell you something. Not only did that, that not work, but the chickpeas and soybeans blasted through the netting and like hit us – Made holes. Made holes through the netting and hit us like, 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 like buckshot, like BBs, <laughs> right? So anyway, so we have no luck with chickpeas. We have no luck with soybeans, although I feel that we could get it right. We did pasta. When pasta comes out of the puffing gun, as opposed to pasta that you you know puff using the traditional chef's technique of puffing pasta, uh, when you puff it in the gun, it looks uh, – describe it, Stas. It's like – Gnarled, some sort of like weird asteroid, like gnarled craziness, deformed thing. It's like, it's like imagine it's puffing like in like a three hundred mile an hour wind. You know why? Because it's puffing in a three hundred mile an hour wind. You know what I mean? It's like this pasta. It's like you know what? What even shape were those? Were those like penne or something? Uh, Fusilli, I think. We did like a couple. That yeah, was different shapes. Right? We had one yeah. with their lines in it though. Yeah, we did see But imagine like that's puffing and flying out of the gun at a zillion miles an hour, and it just has this warped freakish look to it it was mm-hmm. weird what do you think of that stuff the taste what the look of it
1: the look was weird
2: yeah weird some people liked it because it looks like pasta chicharron
1: it looks like when his hands will eventually
0: freeze up <laughs>
2: uh, i want to do chicken skins and things like that anyway so uh we will let you know as we test it out uh we, well, well, well it's not next week it's the week after the puff party right it's tuesday next tuesday is the yeah. puff party yeah so i'll report back from the morning of the puff party next week
1: cooking issues Thanks for listening to this program on heritage radio Network.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.